It's so commonly believed that mental health, depression, anxiety, all these stuff can't be healed. I'm sorry, but you can. If life's already an uphill battle, why walk that hill with bricks in your backpack? Why not take some of them out? If you can be free within yourself, understand, look within, then you can break through. Consciousness is always evolving and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You are perfectly human and even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love, then your family. I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Is That So? I am excited to have my guest on today. Now, I definitely should have asked him how to pronounce his last name before allowing him backstage, but I'm going to do my best with this. Matthew Karayuna. I'm going to say Matthew. Matt is going to come out here. He's going to say his own damn last name, but he is a mental fitness facilitator, y'all. Mental fitness facilitator. And he has a story. He, he definitely has, he has a story as we all do. But he, the, the story that he has is one that is definitely inspiring to me. And I believe it'll be inspiring to you. Ergo, I brought him on for today's show. And definitely mental health, you know, with this this uh, season being uh, catered towards or targeted towards mind-body medicine, mental health, of course, is on the forefront, you know. And which is why y'all hear me joke a lot. Because humor, y'all have no idea just how healthy humor is. Like, Humor is one of the best forms of medicine. It's easy access and it is a quick, it is a quick fix, you know, to, to uh, many of your problems. It is very hard for you to be both depressed and laughing your ass off at the same time. It's going to be very hard for you to do both of those t- things. You're going to have to choose one or the other. Either I'm going to be depressed today or I'm laughing my ass off today. Or you could do both. You could do both, but there are time frames for these things. Anyway, the point is, is that there are certain practices holistic practices that you can do that can rapidly change your perception on life. And if you can just detach yourself from your pain for just a moment, then you can move your awareness onto something greater, something of your choosing, you know, something that is values-based, you know, something that will give you fulfillment. So anyway, y'all know before I bring my guests on, I get my little spiel or whatever. So I want to put some facts out there. I'm going to just give y'all a toss out a few facts out here. Okay. So 970 million people worldwide have a mental health or substance abuse disorder. Another factoid, anxiety is the most common mental illness in the world, affecting 284 million. Um, and, and this is according to our world in data 2018. And I'm going to give you all the work cited, actual, the actual website I pulled this from in a minute. But this is, these are important factoids. Anxiety. Anxiety is the bodily experience of fear. Fear. Um, and now, again, the, the, the quote is, the fact is anxiety is the most common mental illness in, in the world, affecting 284 million people. But just go in Harry's crazy world for a second and, and just entertain this. So fear is the most common mental illness in the world, affecting 284 million people. Why did I substitute fear for anxiety? Because anxiety is the bodily experience of fear. So fear is the most common mental illness in the world affecting 284 million people. This is the reason why I am so passionate about what I do. This is why my mission statement is to assist others in developing the audacity 
or the boldness to live unapologetically authentic. Authenticity is about how closely in alignment you are with your values. Are you choosing your values? Are you choosing your truth? Are you living in your truth or are you living in your fear? Are you living in your don't wants? Are you living in your, I never want to experience this again? You know, are you living in that? And so many of us are plagued with anxiety, even though humans technically in America, at least, you know, in many most developed countries, you know, it's the safest has ever been in humanity. You know, I want to say that for the entire globe, like it's, it's the safest has ever been for humans to exist on the globe. And yet we are the most fearful we've ever been in human existence. How did that occur? All right. <laughs> that's, that's my question. That's, that's, that's what I want you to ponder. You know, when you got a moment, you, you know, you in the shower or you, you know, sitting outside by your pool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, and I'm talking about pools. We, you sitting outside by your pool or you on your balcony sky rise, you know, you know, looking at me at my balcony sky rise. I don't have one yet, but I just, it's, it's on its way. It's on its way. I promise you it's on its way. I'm gonna take pictures and I'm gonna send it to all y'all. But do you think about that? Like, how is it that we are so fearful, even though we have come so far as far as technology and, and the advances that we've made, you know, it's amazing, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And so, but yet we still have this immense fear and this fear, again, what I say, false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R, this fear is the thing that corrodes away at our, our soul, at our spirit. You know, fear destroys everything. You can't move without fear. Fear keeps you stagnant. You know, fear is the reason why we stare at our don't wants. You know, fear is the reason why the mind gets locked into this negative feedback loop where it replays pains from the past and projects it into the future and makes predictions based off of its horrible past that it's trying to run from. You got to get out of that madness. You got to get out of that matrix. You got to get out of the maze of the mind. And understand that you are not your thoughts. You are awareness. Okay. One last fact talk about I, before I bring my guest on. Globally, mental illness affects more females, 11.9% than males, 9.3% our world in data. Now, I don't, I, I believe that these are some conservative estimates because you have to understand that these statistics are based off of reports and people more than likely who are seeking treatment and because of machismo and other things that us men carry with us based off of beliefs that we've inherited, many of us don't seek to help, but I can, I, I it is my personal layman's belief, non-professional belief that if there are not as many men, if the proportion is not equal to that of women who, who suffer from dysfunction regarding you know, living healthy, mentally, mentally, healthily, mentally, then we would probably surpass because men have just as many, if not more insecurities as women, period. All right. So I'm about to bring my next guest on. He's, you know, he's, he's a young up, up and coming. I'm pretty sure inspirational world influencing billionaire. Yeah. I'm calling all that for him. You know, I'm speaking all that on him. Uh, Matt, he's going to come here and he's going to talk to us basically about mindset and how we need to get our minds together. So please welcome to the stage, Mr. Matt, who's going to say his last name for his damn self. 
<laughs> so my last name is Caruana. <laughs> Car- Caruana. Caruana. Caruana with a C. <laughs> Come on, man. Easy. I, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Caruana. I love your last name, bro. Caruana. That's Thanks, awesome. Man. Okay. All right. All right. Yo. So, Mr. Caruana, how you doing, man? <laughs> Welcome to the Is That So Show, man. Doing great, Harry. Thank you. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing perfectly splendid. You know, I'm excited about this show, bro. I wanted to just add something just to that statistic you just mentioned, how mm. like the, the rates of mental health is affecting more females than males. Mm. And I completely agree with you where it's, it's, it is quite a conservative like statistic there where men quite, quite often they, they hide it and suicide rates are significantly higher in males in comparison to females. Mm. And I have a lot to share on that based on my experience and as well too, but yeah, Anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So please welcome to the show, brother. Let's Thank start you. out with you just basically telling the people your mission first, and then we'll dive into, you know, the heavy stuff because we like a free, uh, free flow here. So we're going to keep flowing with it. But I'm a I'm a scale out for a second. And you just talk to the people for a moment. All right. And just let them know who you are and why you're doing what you do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my name is Matthew Caruana, and I'm a mental fitness facilitator. It is my passion and life's purpose to inform, inspire, and impact mental fitness across the world. I want people to make better decisions for themselves so they can live a better quality of life. The last thing I want to do, well, I want to see, is someone at the point where they can't take the pain anymore and they push themselves to a point that they can never, yeah, never take back. All right, brother. All right. Let me jump on in here. And so clearly we're going to get we, we're going to get very real today, as we always do. We can keep it all the way authentic. But, yeah, this is this is going to be a real topic. Mental health. We need to come out. We need to talk about this. You know, I I have a friend, you know, and, and actually it was a combination of, of many multiple factors. But my last little depressive spell that I experienced was at late January, early February. Right. And I was in there for a few weeks, you know, it was, it was, it was rough, but um, it came at the anniversary. I didn't realize the anniversary of a friend who actually completed suicide four years prior, you know, and that had been a struggle. It was like right after that event occurred, it was like this domino effect, like everything started to like fall apart and I had to figure out how to put it back together and understand life. But there was a lot of judgments that came from that, man. But please brother, you know, talk to us, you know, about like, your your struggles you know talk to me what is your what was the moment that served to be maybe both your greatest experience with pain but at the same time your greatest moment of awakening oh yeah i'm coming with a with a haymaker i love it i love it it um definitely was that it was when i was 16 so let's just say mental health struggles just brought me to a point where i thought the only way to and the pain was to throw myself off a building to my own life. I did. I threw myself off. And on January 9th, 2016, and then I woke up two weeks later in a hospital bed with many, many injuries, but scared shitless to the point where, you know, I well had boots on both my feet, cast on both arms, neck brace, tubes going through me, everything, and I couldn't feel or function half my body. So I'd become a paraplegic as a result. And so being left with 
the same mental and emotional struggles. I was now left physically more challenged. And at the time, let's just say, I thought this was beyond rock bottom. Mm. Come on. And it would be the one thing I'm most grateful for though, because had it not had happened, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have learned what I've learned. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I wouldn't be in the position that I am. And it's because of what I've done. That's it's honestly given me given me insights. It has to how other people are experiencing and struggling, though also how they can break through to the other side. It's so commonly believed that mental health, depression, anxiety, all these stuff can't be healed. I'm sorry, but you can. I'm a representation of like physically that you know. Yeah, mental health it's ugly, but also I'm a representation that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. You seem like a pretty handsome young man to me, you know, and I'm a young man too. Thank don't, you. don't, don't let the gray hairs fool you, man. I've been gray since I came out the womb, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You look like a handsome young man to me. What you mean is pretty ugly. No, but I, I get what you're saying. Man. It's making it a little lighter, but hold on. Before it, we get to, before we get to the overcoming part, help me understand what led to that part. If you don't mind delving in a little bit more on that, please t- talk to us a little bit about what led up to that point. You know, like what was going on in your life that was so bad that you felt like you just had it in it. Well, that's the thing. What you mentioned earlier, it's so true. It's so real The you know, that we're not talking about it and that, you know, the, the stigma behind it all, it's, yeah. But it started when I was 12. I, you know, like I was brought up in a Catholic upbringing, Catholic primary, Catholic high school, you know, got good grades, all that stuff, did, did well at school, did, you know, well at sport as well. On the outside, everything looked perfect. Perfect. Though I remember hearing, you know, like, Every, like you'd always hear it every, like everywhere. Everyone's life has a meaning. Everything happens for a purpose, you know? And in you know, growing up Catholic, we were taught that, you know, you'll find your, your reason, your meaning in life through the Bible, through God. Personally, this didn't resonate with me. And I didn't like hearing it, but I wanted to have my own answer. Now, if everyone's life has meaning and if everyone has purpose, what's my purpose? What's the meaning of my life? I don't know how to answer that. I'm 12 years old, but I didn't like th- that question like, unanswered. So I asked myself another one. Well, if I was gone and dead, would anything actually be different? Again, hard to answer that when you're alive. So I asked myself a third question. Well, do I actually you know, add any value to society? Do I actually pay any role? And that's when I had my answer. So I knew that you know having meaning and purpose was about contributing. But I didn't have a job. I lived at home with my parents. I was just you know, taking up space, so to speak. And so that meant if I was dead, nothing, he would actually be different. There would just be more space for someone else, you know, who has more meaning and purpose in their life, which then meant that my life meant nothing. And I labeled myself as worthless and I carried that heavily and wanted to change it. And I really dwell on, on those questions because I didn't like the answer, but it's the only thing that made sense to me. And I, yeah, believed it firmly. But here I am on the outside, right? Like I've got, I'm popular in school. I've not got any issues going on yet. Inside's a different story. Now I did very good at hiding it as well. That was the, that was the trigger point where it started the downward spiral, though I eventually delved into drugs pretty quickly after started experimenting when I was 13 and developed an addiction, started dealing all that stuff. And that, I mean, then led to me going to the gym to, as, as another mm. coping strategy. The gym was the 
how do I say it? At the time, it, it it's the it's the perfect way to like give a false like <laughs> image. Like I, I, I say that because I when I got started, I was extremely skinny. I mean, yeah. extremely skinny, and mm-hmm. I started you know bulking up, but. The people that were older than me, and even in my grade, everyone just—they gave me so much love and respect. Oh, Matt, you're beefing up. Look at you, getting big, all this stuff. And so, you know, I wore that with pride. I even had teachers at my school thinking I was on steroids, and then mm. that passed down to the students. And it was—it was like it was like a thing. And so I'm like, you know, what? I'm just gonna wear this with pride. I never touched the stuff, but I thought, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I have this reputation, and I had a goal. I was like, I want to work so hard at this. Up for this one photo, I'm gonna post for it. Put on my Facebook, making my photo, you know, and everything. And I did, you know, put on 30 kilos in eight months. I dropped 20 in four months. All for this one photo, and posted. I'm sorry, it was 30 kilos in American language. <laughs> 30 kilos. <laughs> no, I'm not so much bag, but go ahead. You got 30 kilos. I'm gonna look that up later. <laughs> no, please, please. no i'm sorry man i, no, I love it love it love it <laughs> it's perfect and dude i mean everyone believed me and i could send you the photo man i mean i'm at 16 years old posing for the camera this is the very beginning of 2016 right and all the likes comments friend requests in- girls inboxing me all that stuff you know at the time it was all coming in everyone believed that i was doing well i was confident all this stuff the image was that beneath the surface, something else to the point where all this external validation wasn't enough to actually heal an internal wound to the point where a week after that photo was taken, a week, I decided to, yeah, go jump and try to end my own life. What was going on? Tell me, tell me what, what, you, what were you experiencing? I, you know, like what was, can you recall any thoughts or emotions you were experiencing after that? You know, you said a week later, you know, like what is happening there? What was happening in that space that even after that, a week later, you still attempted to end your life? I'm so worthless. What's changed? Hmm. Nothing had changed in my mind. I was still taking up space and yeah, I looked buff. I looked great. Everyone gave me respect for it, but who cares Hmm. really? And I firmly believed that I was never going to get out of this rut, that I was doomed for the rest of my life. Yeah. 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 That trans, uh, Tara, Dr. Tara Brock, you know, in her book, Radical Acceptance, she calls it the trance mm. of unworthiness, you know, and, and all of us suffer from that trance of unworthiness. And so many of us suffer silently, which is why I created this school of outliers actually is, is for those silent sufferers, you know, to have refuge and understand that, that, you know, there is hope, you know, and all you have to do is grab hold of just that little thread, you know, if you could just grab that thread. But tell us more about, like, you said you jumped off a building. So tell me about how high was this building? First off, I know I'm nosy. How high was this building, man? 35 meters. Okay, I'm definitely gonna look that one up too. <laughs> but that, that sounds like it's pretty high. <laughs> 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 oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that I, uh, like three stories three and a half stories like if you uh, went stories seven, wise i think seven stories seven stories 
Yeah. Wow, man, seven stories. Wow. Seven, eight, yeah, I think so. Seven sounds about right, yeah. What was this building like leading up to this moment? Center. Local shopping center. You went to the top yeah. of the local. Go ahead, please. Yeah. yeah, so I'd visualized and planned exactly how I was going to do it for over a year. I mean, I, I mean, I knew exactly where I was going to do it, how I was going to do it, the time of day. I just didn't know when. Shit, I got to watch my mic. I just didn't know when I, I, I was going to do it. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, like, it's like I'd written a script. I would play this movie in my own mind over and over and over and over and over again and believed the fact that this was all that my life was meant for and left for. Mm. 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 Taking her space, that trance of unworthiness, man. And so then that led you to jumping off of pretty much a seven story built. You, you like, and you survived clearly because I'm talking to you. I don't believe I'm speaking to a ghost. I'm gonna need some help if not. <laughs> yeah. But you jumped off and and you woke up two weeks later. So who found you? Like, what did they tell you? So I snuck out at around eleven o'clock at night, and they were doing some construction at at the shopping center, and. Where I had jumped, um, so they were doing construction in that area. Because it was at night, no one found me for about six hours or so. Yeah, about 5.30 in the morning, some tradies that were doing some construction work, they found me, called the cops. My dad wakes up and he notices that I'm not home. And he saw, and the, the family, they searched the house, they called the cops and they put the two together. And that's how they found me. I woke up two weeks later because I was in a coma for two weeks. Mm. And the injuries you, were, you sustained were? The main ones being spinal cord injury and my brain injury. Though, I mean, I had 35 injuries in total, like all these bones and like broken, all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. When you woke up, I know this is, this is really minute in comparison to the, the, the topic and the purpose of it, but did you feel like how much pain were you in when you woke up? I was drugged up like crazy. All, I got an IV drip hooked to me. I was on just all these medications as well. I just, honestly, ICU is a massive blur for me, a massive blur. The only thing I remember that really stands out was this thought that I couldn't get out of my head. It bugged me, man, because, you know, I'd gone and tried to end my own life. I firmly believed I was worthless for so long and I couldn't even do that right. The amount of shame, guilt, frustration, anger, hatred, and everything all at once just towards myself because I couldn't do, couldn't do it right. Because mm. I wasn't even good enough to end my own life. Wow. How pathetic am I now if I was worthless beforehand? Oh. And so, I mean, clearly you're not in that state now. So tell me how you got to where you are now. Mm. Okay. And by the way, it goes beyond just mental as well. It goes physical too, but that's a whole other thing to talk about. <laughs> but <laughs> how it transitioned from being in that dark place where nothing was good at all and just, yeah, being the lowest point in my life to now. I was very blessed when, so basically I was still in hospital a week before I left. So it's about three and a half months later. I I just come across a stranger on, on a train and man, this is like, this guy threw me off my tracks. Now you guys call them rednecks. We call them bogans in Australia. Right. And so <laughs> dude, okay. I, was, I was, I was on a train with my mom 
And halfway through the trip, this bogan comes on. He has no filter before he even sits down, looks to his right. What did you do to yourself? <laughs> Jesus. He's like laughing at me, right? Because here I am, scrawny 16 in a wheelchair. What's this guy <laughs> sitting on that thing for? And I, I, I don't know what it was. Up until this point, I lied to everyone. I said I had an accident. I had a fall. It was the most I would ever say. It just came out. Maybe it was how happy I was in that moment because I got these piercings that day. And I, um, and maybe how abrupt he was. He just got it out. It just came out. I just said, oh, I attempted suicide. Mm. And he gives me a funny look and laughs at me. And he says, that was pretty stupid, wasn't it? Look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> he is not a therapist. He is not a therapist. He's not a licensed therapist. We're gonna- <laughs> He's a street therapist. But <laughs> let's just say, let's just say, honestly, man, the next morning I woke up with this lightness and like, I, I'm going to spend a little bit of time just on this because this is really key for me. Please. When I went and willingly saw my social worker without waiting for her to chase me up. I, up until that point, like I said, I didn't like talking. So I never, I hated seeing my psychologist, social worker, all this stuff. But my social worker was the only person who was real. She was just blunt with me. And I, and I needed it at the time, just like this bogan, right? And so when I went and saw her, I sh- you know, showed off the piercings. So I just spoke about the guy on the train, like what happened and all that stuff and how I felt. And she's like, Matt, do you think there's something there in that? And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't like talking. But she, she then said, Matt, you've been lying to people now for what, three and a half, four months. You told the truth once. And you woke up feeling lighter. Matt, I don't know if there's something there, but I have a question. What if you open up to the people close to you in life? Could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? Now, I didn't want to hear that, but those words, I swear, will never leave me because at the time, it's just, I didn't want... I kept, you know, I'm trying to fight it in my mind. She made a good point, like going on the train, right? Like, yeah, I felt lighter. Okay, whatever. But my ex was actually co- going to visit me that afternoon. And I decided to, why not give it a shot? She made a good point. And so this is the first time I was real with her in a long time. And she starts tearing up and says, Matt, I've never felt closer to you before. This is the first time in a long time you've actually been real with me. And that, dude, it struck me because here I am sitting in a freaking wheelchair, scrawny, skinny. I'm not the man I used to be, like lean, buff. I have all these injuries. I I, I labeled myself at the time as half a man. And she's saying this. She's never loved me more. My social worker was right. And so I started talking to my friends and then my parents as well. And that was my first turning point. It was so significant for me. Though it was eight months later where I'm, I'm now home and I was given an opportunity to speak and share my story. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't like talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she, uh, she actually brought up the guy on the train. She's like, remember how you know, that guy helped you? What if you could help others help you as well? And that kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. And the first, uh, I ended up saying yes. And the first time I did it, I was, you know, shaking, nervous. And these, it was, you know, 30 young people, same age as me. And I'm just thinking, what are they all thinking of me? But they came up to me and thanked me. They shook my hand and said it inspired them. 
Mm. And I can't tell you the feeling that brought because for so long, for so many years, I believed I was worthless. I was a waste of space. And now, like even just talking about this now, honestly, like it brings up a lot of emotion for me because I was worth it. I was actually of value. And the one thing I had resisted all my life, talking, hell, even feeling my emotions, it, in that moment, it all came up and I, I burst it out into tears and just, man, honestly. And I decided I want to do more than just the, this hospital program every two weeks to 30 or so kids. I want to go to high schools myself. I want to go to corporations myself. I want to go to universities, conferences, wherever I can to spread my message, not just my story, but what's come out as a result but, and also what people can take away and, and apply for themselves. Hmm. The one thing I'd resisted for so long, talking up, hmm. feeling my emotions, being in hospital was a blessing. I was forced to feel. I can't run away. I'm sorry. I'm stuck in a bed. <laughs> and I'm on a 24-hour watch at the time as well. I didn't like it. But I had to sit with the discomfort, which was actually the first blessing. And then that guy on the train, that moment where I actually got to share for the first time, God, if I only know, if I, if I only know back then what I know now, you know, if I was authentic with myself, you know, I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't feel I could. I wanted to address it, but I didn't feel I could. And I didn't want to either because it was uncomfortable. If I had known that when something's up, we should speak up. If I had known to, you know, follow my heart, do what feels right. I would, <laughs> God, life would be very different. Though I wouldn't change a thing because it's brought me to a place where I'm now able to inspire other people. And I know each and every person has it within them to overcome their struggles. So, okay. Yeah. Now, now, now we're, we're, oh, Okay. All right. So authenticity. So even though this man was not a licensed professional and, you know, his approach would not be that of such, you know, he was real with you. He was yeah. he was authentic with you. This experience with authenticity then led you into this space where you wanted to influence other people and connect on an authentic level by using your story, not as one as, oh, look at how sorry I am. Look at I mean, don't, don't come feel sorry for me. Not how sorry I am. I don't want to think about thought about like that. But you know, come feel sorry for me. Woe is me. But you didn't. You don't want that. That's not what you're you're choosing. You're choosing to move into a space where you're telling people that your pain can have a purpose. Underneath your pain and your shame may lie your greatest strength. Now I know you didn't say it exactly like that, but that's what I said. So that's why I plugged it in there. But you know, do you disagree? I don't put words in your mouth. I I completely agree with it. And this this is the thing. Adversity is something that a lot of people will it just naturally, naturally we want the path of least resistance. So we avoid the adversity and we think it's so, so, so mm. bad. Beneath it is always, and I mean, always a lesson. There's always something to be, to be learnt or something there for you. If you allow yourself to see it, that's the thing. Now I have every excuse to say that my injury was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I have every excuse to use this as an excuse to not do X, Y, Z to keep myself in a bad place. Though I'm just blessed that I had the right people in my life at the right time. I couldn't have done this on my own. This is the biggest thing. We all think we can figure it out, you know? But if life's already an uphill battle, why walk that hill with bricks in your backpack? Why not take some of them out? Come on. Okay, so I'm assuming that these four objectives that I have scrolling down at the bottom helps you to take those out. And so let's get into that right there. Your method and how are you inspiring people? So, of course, again, some more research here. Thank you, Hannah. 
develop mental strength and fitness. Face these are the four four core objectives: develop mental strength and fitness, face and understand fear, build the ability to bounce back, control and conquer anxiety. So, can you help us out? What? Why are those your four core objectives? How do those become your four objectives? And what do you mean by like build the ability to bounce back? Like help help us out. Build the ability to bounce back. That's all of it. It's about resilience. When times get rough, how quickly can you get back up and get back to your normal state? When, you know, fall off the horse, how quickly do you get back on it? It's never about how many times you fall off. It's only about the fact that you're back on it. Mm. Because, and the, the no, thing no, no, about no, it, no, 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 because let me jump, jump, jump in and let me add to that before you go to your next objective. Yes, because literally, you know, we fall, there is no success without failure. And so every single time that you fall, yeah, you, you think that you're going to die the first time that you fall. And, and that's definitely no reference to this episode, but you think believe you're I, die. I, I thought I did. Too. <laughs> right. 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 If anybody knows it, you know, it. you know, but you think you're going to, but then you survive that fall and then, you know, you try again and then you may stumble again, but you, you get back up again. And so every single time that you fall, you know, at first you think you're going to die and stay down every single time, but every single time you manage to develop the strength and audacity to stand back up and walk again until one day you have stood up so many times to your fears that you no longer fear falling. And that's the process. That's where courage comes in. Courage is the deliberate choice to move in your truth in spite being afraid, being afraid to do so. Mm. Courage gives you the ability to move forward in spite of being afraid because we know that it's our fear that keeps us stagnant, but there's a difference between fear and danger. Again, Danger is a reality, but fear is a choice. Yeah. You know? And the biggest thing about being courageous and showing courage is you need to be fearful to actually be able to show courage. Mm. If you're experiencing fear, understand it's completely real. Though the next step, courage, is then what really makes you. Come and on. so, yeah, that that's what it means to bounce back. And yeah, and obviously, it's very similar with staying resilient. All these four points heavily, obviously, relate to me. And what I've had to learn myself. And yeah. so building mental strength to be able to have a tolerance mm-hmm. in, in life where you're able to, when, when times are rough, you're able to persevere. It's the, There's one thing to fall down and get back up. There's one thing to stay on that like journey, even though it's getting rough. For example, climbing up that hill, even though it's raining, it's you can easily go back. And, I, and the thing is, what I've come to learn is that we each have this inside of us. Most people, not everyone, has learned how to ride a bike. How many times did you fall off? I don't know. I fell off 30, 40 times trying to ride this freaking thing on two wheels. Like, right? I've never fallen. I've never fallen. Man, I commend you because you're- the False story. False story. <laughs> <laughs> but even if you scratch your knee, cut yourself up, you still get back up yes. as a kid, Right. Kids are the best at this and we are born with it though. We develop this and you would know this, obviously the, the fears we develop over time. So if we can build that back up, we are, we are much meant much more mentally fit and then understanding and overcoming your fears. That's what holds you back. Like you said, and I actually really, really like what you said. I'm going to quote you on this as well. Um, (laughs) I want to use this quote somewhere. Anxiety is the, 
so, uh, the, the bodily experience of fear. Bodily experience of fear. That's exactly right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And by overcoming, well, firstly, understanding, you need, we all need awareness. And the thing about these four points, what it all is about is you going within, not trying to look external, but going within, not expecting other things to change. So then you'll be happy or this, this to, you know, be over once COVID's over, I'm going to be, you know, happy again. because I can be free and whatever. No, if you can be free within yourself, understand, look within, then you can break through. Mm-hmm. And see that you are more than your story, that you are more than your thoughts, that you are the awareness within and your consciousness unfolding. So, Brother, tell us about, you know, exactly what is a mental fitness facilitator like and mm-hmm. and how can people connect with you? You're over there. Tell the people where you're at, you know, and how people can connect with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get out for a second. Plug in your stuff, man. Let the people know how they can reach you for a second. And I'm going to jump back in here. Thanks, man. Yes. Thanks, Harry. So, so I'm based in Sydney. And so as a mental fitness facilitator, I facilitate workshops for individuals and groups of all sizes. My website is mattcaruana.com, which is M-A-T-T-C-A-R-U-A-N-A.com. My Instagram is Matt Shares and my Facebook is Matt Shares on FB. My LinkedIn also is Matthew Caruana. I am so passionate about informing, inspiring, and influencing other people's mindsets so that they can have a better quality of life. We all have access to it. So, Yes, but, yes. And don't worry, brother. We're going to put all those plugs in at the bottom whenever we post the the show in the podcast we're gonna have all your information there my ops manager hannah she's awesome she's great she she facilitates all of this and collected all this information on you she's she's also my my investigator so she (laughs) she investigated you she has all those links and so when we when we publish it it'll be on there so we definitely want people to get in touch with you brother and so what is the thing that that people can reach out not only for a good word i know people can reach out and talk to you about that but why would people need this mental fitness facilitation of mental fitness? Why would people, why do people need this in their life? Because our mental health is the single most important factor that's holding us back in our lives. Mm. It's a mindset thing. It's a mindset thing. It's all about that. So your, your mission real quick, before I let you go, your mission is to inform, inspire, and influence millions of mindsets and and for them to improve their quality of life. So, connect that mission with with how does this mission help you to remain authentic to yourself how what how does this mission statement reflect you it reflects me because that that statement alone literally is the how is it chorus to my heart in a way this mm-hmm. is it's this is my true self because i understand that when people are able to go within themselves more authentically and understand who they are. That's the epitome of authenticity. And then living that, your quality of life means everything. We all want to be happy. And so we all deserve to be. Mm -hmm. And until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl Jung. Until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct your life and call you fate, and, and you will call it fate. And that thing that's in the unconscious, we it's it's where our shadows are. This is why I do shadow work. I'm doing shadow work on Clubhouse right now. Shadow work with nocturnal. Y'all can check me out while I'm out there. But and this is the reason why I'm I'm moving into the social influencing space to teach people about this because our shadows 
in that space also is the emotional experience of shame. And we need to understand that we are not our shame. That that we know that we're not our shame because our shame repulses us. We and anything that represents the truth of who we are, we actually are attracted to it. Indeed, we only connect with other people that we have similarities with because we we only have these relationships. The other is only present to teach us a deeper truth about ourselves, no matter what type of relationship you have. And so, when you experience that shame, remember that that repulsion means that that doesn't represent who you are, and quickly move your awareness from your story, which you are judging, or your mind is trying to judge yourself on to exactly what the truth is of, of your truth, you know, move it towards awareness of what you know to be true for yourself. Man, anything else you want to say? It's been, it's been such a pleasure to have you on this show, man. So anything else you wanted to say to the people, any messages that we didn't cover that you want to get out? There's always one thing I say, like, and just like, if I just to, to give one message to anyone, it, like, and we've already spoken about it. It's, it's, it's authenticity. Follow your heart. Really listen to yourself and go within. So listening to everything else, maybe you have the answer inside you. Mm. You are the question and the answer. You are the lock and the key. Thank you, brother, you know, for being, for doing you, for being you, for coming on here and being authentic, you know, having audacity to tell your story, you know, to talk about the deepest shadows that you've experienced and come on here and give this message, man. So mad love and respect to you, bro. Like seriously, seriously. I love what you do, Harry, and I love the show, and I love your insights are very, very profound. So thank you as well. <laughs> you know, thank you for that, brother. Thank you, man. I don't know if anybody be listening to me when I say my stuff. You know, I go into Harry's world. That's my language, you know? So I'm glad that you're listening, man. I'm glad that you actually uh, appreciate It'll be years for a reason. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to get more big-eared friends. That's the problem right there. I don't have enough big-eared friends around me, you know? I need more big-eared uh, people listening to the podcast, too, you know? So definitely, brother. And, 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 and look, man, if there's anything else I can do, please reach out. All right, y'all. Y'all got it. Matthew Caruana. Did y'all hear that? I'm flowing with that name now. I'm killing that name. Matthew Caruana was in the house. Caruana in the building. Matthew Caruana came on here. Mental fitness facilitator. Well, y'all see how when I bring guests on, if you've been paying attention, that the mission, the words, the way that they formulate or articulate their mission may be appear different on the surface from the mission of assisting others in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic, but understand that the energy is the same. And when you have people who are on the same frequency come together, this is what I desire. What I desire for the School of Outliers, why I've created this social influencing platform is so that I can assist in an energetic alignment and in inviting those who are on the same frequency with me so that we can form a collaborative tribe and with us oscillating to the same frequency, we become a tidal wave of radical love that will forever change the face of this planet. And we become a more unified and a more connected and a more caring and compassionate and forgiving world. That's my desire. That's that's really my heart. And that's why I'm doing all of this. Y'all wonder why a therapist who, who can be successful in his practice would be doing, spending time doing this. This is why I'm doing this because I love me so much that I love y'all so much that I just got to do this. I want y'all to be free. I want us to be free. And I can see a greater vision of us. I see a higher frequency version of us, a version where we don't have to have so much fear for each other, where we don't have to suffer millions, hundreds of millions have to suffer from anxiety and depression. I see a greater future for us. And I'm going to fight 
until I see that come into this physical reality. And so thank y'all for watching me tonight, watching us tonight. Thank you for I know y'all had a great time listening to my guests, and that inspires me. This young man, Sydney, Australia, 22 years old, Matthew Caruana. Yeah, I'm going to say that name as much as possible before I end this show. Matthew Caruana. So we had him. He kicked ass. He came here. He saw he kicked ass. Not my ass, but anybody else's ass who challenged what he had to say. He kicked ass in that area. So thank y'all for watching the show. Agape and stay lit. Do you tell your time what to do or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire change? Visit www.becomeanoutlier.com slash about. That is www.becomeanoutlier, becomeanoutlier.com slash about, A-B-O-U-T, to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner.